Hey there, friends and foes. Good evening, Multiverse. This is Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica. You can call me Johnny. And tonight, 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 on Back of the Cereal Box, the infamous Lucas Leverett is going to join me. And we are going to talk about of millionaires and billionaires and crowdfunding. Oh, my. And we're going to do that right after this. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi's Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Elvis Presley and he's still the king. Some things are only imitatable. You can't be that original. All right, guys and gals, we are back, and it is time to welcome into the virtual rec room. This guy is one of my favorite people on the planet, and right now, vindictive cancel culture warriors are shaking in their boots because we are aligned on something, and whenever that happens, the internet shakes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the virtual rec room, Mr. Lucas Leverett. What's up? How's it going, man? It's going well, man. It's been too long. I know. I love. I love that uh, that setup because it's so true that uh, over the years, as many years as we've known each other, uh, there are so many uh, socioeconomic and uh, borderline political or all the way political topics where we aren't in the same field, but we have always found awesome ways to be able to chit chat. And then you started talking about this topic, and I sort of like hinted around over the probably a couple of years of this phenomenon of kind of said, you know, one day when you talk about this, we should have that conversation on your show. And, you know, it's one of those times when I think you and I both see, uh, both apply the same lens to what we, what might be described as greed. There, there are some other aspects. I'm sure we're going to get into it. We've got some space here to talk, but I'm really excited about this. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. And for those of you who are wondering, we are talking about, Multi-million dollar corporations that are using crowdfunding to put products out on in the market. And really, Lucas, I got really wound up by this whole idea um, maybe 10, 11 years ago when Veron- the Veronica Mars movie used Kickstarter to fund their movie. Okay. All right. And... And at the time, you know, I was like, why do millionaires, why do Hollywood superstars need to resort to Kickstarter? And at the time, I kind of was like, okay, I can see how they're using it as a kind of a social community building tool, you know, giving the fans, quote unquote, ownership and helping promote it and you know, at the end of the day, though, did it really do any difference? Did it make a difference? I mean, the movie came out. I think it went direct to uh, video. Uh, I don't remember it getting a theatrical release, release, but it was all paid for. 
with fan dollars. And that, and at the time, it was the biggest Kickstarter campaign ever. Mm. And it broke all records. The previous record holder, by the way, before Veronica Mars, was someone we know in the Nashville area. Oh, yeah. Eric, Eric Powell. Oh, yeah, Eric, yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes Eric sense. Powell, yeah, Eric Powell had that Kickstarter for the the uh, Goon movie. Right. And right. really, truthfully, I guess all it really was was to pay for the trailer because he yeah. hired Clancy yeah. Brown and uh, Paul Giamatti to do the voices. And, and if, if I remember correctly, I don't remember what year that was, but we may have uh, tried to help boost that through some of my con productions at the time like i remember some convention buzz about it and i know that we were we tried to pursue him as a guest at gmx for a couple of different periods of time and and uh, you know i always felt like if there's something on the horizon this would be a great hometown moment um and i guess either of those didn't really register with me as quite as iffy as what we see now but well and and then it wasn't yeah i mean in the case of Eric Powell, it was very legitimate. Um, just the, the, however, and I don't know what all happened with this. It was the highest grossing Kickstarter of all time at that time. And I remember I was doing another video cast, Ribbit Ribbit, and we we were actively promoting him as a friend of the show and, and advertising for it and helping him get to those stretch goals and and we were excited about it because the implied promise was that there was going to be a goon animated feature film. And at the end of the day, there wasn't. There was just that short, that mm-hmm. trailer that was made. And, okay, that's fine. But then along comes Kristen Bell and the cast of Veronica Mars. And they say, oh, well, if the studio doesn't want to fund this, we can get our fans to fund this movie. And I, I was kind of on the fence, I was, but I was asking why are multimillionaires or, or why are big celebrities and stars using Kickstarter? But then what really got my goat, Lucas, was when IDW started using Kickstarter to fund their board games. Mm, okay. And I, that, that did it for me. I was like, okay, this is not, a, this is not acceptable. Kickstarter, GoFundMe, Indiegogo, Patreon, Buy Me a Coffee. Those are, are for small creators. Creators who are, you know, trying to cobble together a budget to do something grand. And here you have IDW you know, who is owned by a conglomerate that has multiple millions of dollars using Kickstarter to fund a board game. Yeah. It's also not quite the same. You know, if you're having trouble convincing the studio scene to back your project, that's a little different than knowing that there's the possibility of success uh, in a, in something that you already do. Like it's one thing, a, a film or a show even is a one-off Um it's not something that you might find somebody doing all the time, but toys and comics is what they already do. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> it's what and, they make. <laughs> so. I have plenty of 
independent comic creator friends that use Kickstarter or Patreon or buy me a coffee to fund their indie projects. I'm using it myself to fund our League of Impossibilists comic book, Mm -hmm. which the first issue came out a year ago uh, next weekend, by the way, and immediately went to number one on Amazon. Just saying. Um, (laughs) It was number one. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. It was the number one. It was the number one steampunk release for two weeks in a row. And yet, strangely enough, I couldn't get any steampunk conventions to even talk to me. Hmm. You have the number one release for two weeks in a row. You would think. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. Um, I think there's some political BS there. but, um, But now, Lucas, we've got Hasbro. And this is what really kind of tipped this topic for us tonight. Hasbro is using their own crowdfunding platform called HasLab to fund projects that either they're not willing to take a risk on or they want to have a higher profit margin. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's a combination of both. But I think the big HasLab release that got the big fanfare first was uh, Jabba Sail Barge, which I don't know if you have images of that. I know we have some images of stuff that's currently being funded. but Yeah, we'll be able to review the full set of them. I had not paid attention to it. Uh, I'm trying to see what the oldest date here is. That might be the one. Um, that might and have been- one it was the first one i heard about and i heard about it through my buddies at the uh at rebel force radio jimmy mack got it and if i remember it was like an insane amount of money like Mm -hmm. close to a thousand dollars am i wrong about that um let's see it was 499.99 okay five hundred dollars maybe it's reselling for over a thousand now that's, that's probably what typical, I'm thinking. That's the typical situation, <laughs> which is and, part of the frustration of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and then, and then, Haslab wasn't even on my radar again until I started seeing on YouTube unboxings of the Razor Crest, and I'm like, "What the? Wait a minute. Where is? Where can I get this? Oh, it was a Haslab exclusive." Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, that was that campaign was like a year and a half, two years ago. That you missed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 I was like, so I'm not going to be able to buy this at retail? Nope, nope. And right. I'm just like, one, I did, I I felt a little bit slighted. Um, I felt a little, I, I was a little bit angry about it. I still am. I'm a little bit bitter. I saw. <laughs> I saw one mint in condition in the box, unopened, un- you know, still sealed at a convention a couple of weeks ago in Huntsville. Uh, retail, you know, he had it for sale for seven fifty, but I've seen it on eBay and and Amazon higher than that. Yeah, and um, I, you know, it was originally like a three hundred dollar um, offering. And look, even if I had known about the the crowdfunding Haslab at the time. I didn't have $300 to put down 
up front to wait maybe a year or two before I even saw physical product. Right, right. And and then and then last year, Book of Boba Fett comes out. Book of Boba Fett has an awesome scene in the final episode with Boba Fett riding that Rancor. And I said publicly, man, Hasbro needs to do a Black Series Boba Fett and Rancor. And that's when my buddy Jason from Rebel Force Radio said, um, they already tried and it failed on HasLab. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Right. And it was, it was all about timing, right? Well, yeah, at the core. And, and this was, for those playing along at home, the Rancor was when I came to Johnny and I said, okay, fine. Because I was on the I was on the fence. Like you and I had talked about this over the years, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't know, maybe because I've been in that apparatus, that corporate apparatus where you've got great ideas, you can't get the freaking bean counters to let go of the purse and, and try to fund a little bit of what you want to try to do, and you really feel like it can be successful. And so maybe that there was an internal war for some of these ideas, and the answer was, okay, we'll do this. And it wasn't until the Rancor that, well, I was watching the show, and and spoiler alert, if somebody has been living in a a box with absolutely no access to any kind of pirated stream, uh, we're going to talk about what happens in that show. And uh, so, you know, the show has the Rancor, and it becomes a big deal. And one of the first thoughts in my head, and I came to you and I said, all right, fine, you are so right about this, because what kind of fools could screw that up because I knew about it. I knew it had been offered. I knew that it didn't hit its funding. And as a marketer, my first thought was, how could you screw that up? I mean, maybe there, maybe the, the production and creative side of the house for TV wasn't talking to the toy side of the house and, you know, nobody knew. Maybe it's legitimate to say that nobody at Hasbro knew that they'd come along and have this element in the story. But that aside, like if you'd launched the damn thing at the same time as the show, bringing the Rancor back to the forefront, you'd have had no problem funding it. You'd have had no problem promoting it. You'd have had very few, like, I don't know if there are that many people that don't know what a Rancor is, but you wouldn't have had anybody left that didn't know what a Rancor was at that point. They'd be like clamoring for it. I was clamoring for it. And I was like, I was like, take my money. I was ready to buy after seeing that show and seeing that episode and to be heartbroken that they, they, they tried it too early and it failed. If they had just waited six, nine months, maybe it wasn't long. Yeah. Which is why it drives me crazy that they weren't coordinated because it just feels like they had to have been having conversations about rancors in the same time frame, but perhaps on two separate coasts. You know, you had Pawtucket, Rhode Island, talking about doing a Rancor toy, and you had Hollywood talking about <laughs> Rancor the show, and no one, you know, traded notes. But you know, to me, it was snatching failure from the from the Rancor's mouth. Like it really was just how how could you possibly do this? Well, and and now um, there have been several other projects that have failed, like Riva's lightsaber, and I, I'm not entirely sure i'm surprised by that um i don't think that character resonated with enough 
fans to really desperately want her lightsaber. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a cool collectible if you can find it, but I'm not going to rush out and get it. And I liked well, Reva. But, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of lightsaber. Well, that's a lot of money, but not, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of competition in the lightsaber world, which, you know, to say that might inspire uh, Star Wars rights holders and Hasbro to start policing the market and trying to figure out a way to destroy the independence. But um, you can get a lot of cool lightsabers. You don't necessarily have to get black series lightsabers to get cool lightsabers. And anymore. and there will be a Reva lightsaber custom made by somebody. Oh yeah. I, I mean, the Rancor failed. Uh, let me look through the other lists of the fails here. Um, actually those might be the two. Let's see. Shipped, 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 not funded Rancor, not funded Reva lightsaber. Um, so yeah, there was only two that failed. But, but apparently the Ghost Rider Hell Charger is perilously, perilously easy for you to say. Okay. It's pr- pretty close to not being funded. Is that correct? So right now it has 5,100, 5,200 backers out of a target 9,000. Uh, okay. And 20 days left. And there's no media property driving the interest. And I just don't know... I'm going to bring that up happening. Yeah. So I I just, I told Johnny, I'll, I'll share my web browser and we'll just look through these. So here's the, this is the whole roster. Um, This is just speaking of HasLab, Hasbro products, but yeah. So here's engine of vengeance and I'm a casual ghost rider fan, right? Like I haven't even seen all the properties on TV, but I was aware of this iteration of ghost rider when I was watching agents of shield. Right. I fanboyed and lost my mind a little bit when it showed up in the show. Like, oh, this is cool. I know just enough to know how badass, you know. And then they come out with this. And my first blush was, eh, it's a little bit pricey for a casual fan like me. I don't know for sure if I would give this the shelf space. It's pretty large. I'll give them credit for that. It's a big, it's like an 18-inch vehicle. Um They've really gone all out. I mean, they've done really great stuff with this product. It comes with all these different iterations of accessories that you can put on it to make it to make it do. Um, you can change change uh, Robbie's head out, and, and there's all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and at three forty nine, it's actually on the lower end of a lot of the things they've offered, and they've got some uh, some stretch goals. Uh, let's see, there's. Uh, this is all the details. Hold on. You got to scroll sometimes to get to, uh, so there is a different figure. Okay. So they're adding at 10,000 if they, if they stretch, which they're, I mean, they're going to be lucky to hit nine. Yeah. No. Madeline Pryor, cool figure. Great. Awesome. I could totally see them releasing that by itself anyway, later. Well, and they're going to, because first of the year of 2023, they've got the new dark web series coming out. Where Madeline Pryor, Ben Riley, Spider Man, who has become kind of this techno mage, uh, and and magic, Ileana Rasputin, they're teaming up to like I, I don't know what they're doing, but gotcha. it's this it's this whole supernatural thing um, with the return of Madeline Pryor. But that doesn't happen until the spring. Yeah. So in the spring, I assume that we will actually see that figure as a either Haslab or Hasbro. Pulse exclusive or on retail, 
we'll we'll have to wait and see. And then twelve thousand. I mean, twelve thousand backers is a pipe dream at this point. And that's yeah. So and during and during um, uh, Hasbro's uh, PulseCon, which was their virtual streaming con that they do uh, yearly, which is a really cool time for collectors and fans. Um, they announced that there was going to be like a third level if they could get to it, which was a, some kind of additional Robbie figure or something. Um, but, you know, they're not going to hit that. And then if you look at like, I don't, Heroescape was in the past for me. Uh, yeah. We have a Heroescape thing going on right now. I, nobody, nobody's talking about cool. Heroescape anymore. Yeah. It's, it's right. just not a thing. And look, if you look, I, if you look at something like, like 9,000 backers at 349, I think they're taking a weird corporate approach to a lot of these because if you look at like the sky striker it had ten thousand backers at a lower price point like it looks like they have some kind of weird sliding scale that the money guys the spreadsheet guys are using to figure out what to target and what to charge but if you do the math on some of these i mean sixteen thousand backers at 229 somebody that's better than i am at math can figure out how many millions that is that's a bunch of money. Well, yeah, and and it may legitimately cost that much to manufacture it at those lower quantities. Maybe, um, maybe, but, maybe. but that's but, a tough one for me. Well, <laughs> and I I don't know. I mean, is the Hell Charger diecast or is it? No, it's is black. It, okay, so way overpriced. That's three point seven million on the Sky Striker, by the way. Okay, that's that's and see to me the Sky. What what is the pledge on this on the Sky Striker? How much how much do you have to pledge on this? Two twenty nine. See, this to me looks like it should be a a sixty to seventy five dollar retail item. In and in a vacuum by itself, with with only like the basic missiles and none of the firing jets and all these accessories, I could see that price point. It could go up a little bit. Throw in the value of an average figure. Um, but the problem I have with it is it's super cool, but you've got to be a serious collector. And preferably, if you have this, you've still got a USS flag in excellent condition to sit it on, you know, yeah. or USS flag should have been the one that they did the first crowdfunding for GI Joe. Now, now I can see some of these like, like Galactus. Galactus yep. is not going to sell at retail. As cool as that figure is, they've they've released several Galactuses in the Marvel Legends line, Toy Biz and mm-hmm. and Hasbro. They well, they've done several Galactus. I mean, it is very cool. And for this, for Galactus, I would say, you know, doing an exclusive fan funding type of project is probably makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But See, they got. They had 30,000 backers. This one was a real hit. I mean, as far as this program is concerned, they got all of the stretch goals. Well, that here was happening. So here, here's my biggest problem. Okay. One, we've got multi-million dollar corporations using crowdfunding, which to me is just icky to begin with. I understand that they're, you know, capitalizing on a business model that is working for them. However, the flip side of this is collectors have taught Hasbro that they are willing to pay these prices. Yes. And so now the retail products are going up way high. So 
like for instance, um, let's see, can we bring him uh, center stage? Let's see. Uh, how do we do this here on my phone? Are you able to do that? Nope. <laughs> You'd have to drag yourself to the large spot, I think, but uh, I don't really know how it works on the phone. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. So I'm going to pull, pull the this. share out. We can come back take to that, that down for just a minute. There you go. So this is the Marvel Legends Warren Ellis Moon Knight, which came out maybe four or five years ago. Um, I actually picked it up at uh, Walgreens, and I saw today it's being re-released as a Hasbro Pulse exclusive. It's I picked this. It's a pre-order. It's not an exclusive, but it's a pre-order. Okay. Yeah. Which but, will sell out. And yes. then it'll make the demand go crazy and people will be like sprinting down the aisles at their local target when they think a case has shipped, et cetera. If, if it makes <laughs> it to, to retail. But the, the point is I got this for uh, $19.99. Last year, uh, Hasbro increased the prices of Legends and Black Series and G.I. Joe Classified to $22 earlier this year, it went up to 24 and now they're releasing them at $34. Wow. And it's because these crowdfunding campaigns have taught them that collectors are willing to pay these prices. And more than that, uh, some of the, some of the uh, characters, some of the IPs are now going to go to Hasbro pulse exclusive like the word yeah. on the street is GI Joe classified will not be available at retail anymore. It will only be available as online exclusives. Well, they're doing exclusives with a lot of the stuff from PulseCon. Um, of course, now that I'm trying to look, I can't find one with a flag for exclusive on it, but they do a lot of PulseCon exclusives. They're also doing a new level where you can be a member on the site as a, I forgot what they call it, but it's a, you know, it's a VIP membership basically. And you get early purchasing capability. So even the really cool stuff, like they released a really cool Serpentor kit for the GI Joe fans. And I would almost maybe think about it, but it's 80 bucks. And even well, though I don't know whatever happened to my original, I'd love to have both of them next to each other, but um, I don't know if I'm going to spring for 80 on that. Um, but it was sold out by the pre-order membership people. Exactly. Before anybody had a chance to even buy it in the regular market. And the membership doesn't appear to have anything but early access purchasing that really makes any difference. It's the only remarkable feature of the membership. And, and here's where I get upset is look, I understand the argument and I'm even one of the ones who make it. If you don't like it, just don't buy it. I get that. I'm one of those guys that said, says that, but here's where I get a little bit upset is that by doing these exclusives and only making them available through Hasbro pulse or through pre-order or through the crowdfunding through HasLab, you are excluding the largest portion of the potential retail fan base. Right. And that's what kind of, bothers me a little bit. I have no problem with doing exclusives. I mean, when I was a kid, 
Lucas, we we had exclusive offers from Kenner. You know, yeah. you collect uh, six proof of purchases and you send them in and you get the mail-in exclusive Boba Fett. Hasbro did that. I have at least one, if not two, Transformers that were mail-aways. And uh, one of my favorite G.I. Joe figures, it's actually over here on the edge of my desk, awaiting the infinite uh, backlog for repairing its rubber band. Um, to hold it together is the uh, you could order a silver brigade figure of yourself but they had helmets so they all look the same um but that one you know was a send away and it's one of my favorite things and hasbro's done this new selfie series thing where you can do a face scan they'll put it on several generic figure types and in the gi joe segment they only have scarlet's body and snake eyes body and for me the big duh go-to is to make the silver brigade again so that I can get my selfie figure. It's a $60 figure, but you can take my money. If you release silver brigade selfie head, I'm there because then I can actually, as a full grown over overgrown child, I can do the thing I did when I was a kid. And so they miss these weird boats, but the, you're right. They also cut out like to me, that magic that we enjoyed as kids of being able to have access to this stuff. They're cutting that off a little bit. They're making, um, they're almost sacrificing the the wonder of what their mission is supposed to be as toy makers to uh, you know give that glow to youth of of these products that they may never be able to get access to. And, the and that, yeah, sometimes the pre-orders are BS. This I don't know if I'll be able to point to it with the mirror image. There he is. Uh, that star screen, the coronation star screen with the cape and the and the crown. I pre-ordered that last year during PulseCon in a rush because I oh that's gonna sell out I gotta get it and then I waited I paid shipping and I waited and now every single time I go to a Meyer or a Target store here in Grand Rapids that figure is on the shelf with no shipping necessary and I know that they can't predict a hundred percent of that supply line, but it is a little frustrating to really think like, yes, I got it. <laughs> Beat the other nerds. And then you're grocery shopping. And there it is to remind you, like, you know, you could have bought another Starbucks with the shipping you spent to get that early you nerd, but you know, they, they can't know that, but like on one hand they could kinda. And yeah. this pulse premium program, by the way, I finally looked it up. It's so free standard shipping. Okay. So it's Amazon prime for, for Hasbro. Um, Early access to product drops, which we've seen what that does. It causes things to sell out before the rest of us can even try. Uh, first to shop back in stock items. That one's really super frustrating because as a marketer, I know how that data gets tracked and how they go and inform you like, hey, we, we used your cookies and know that you looked at this and it was out of stock. Now it's back in stock. Go buy it again before it gets back out of stock. Well, now you don't even get that warning. Uh, that was a cool feature, but now they're cutting that feature off. Seasonal promotions and discounts, exclusive Hasbro Pulse content and events. Eh, you know, that, meh. <laughs> I've designed too many of these kinds of programs to fall for some of this. So, you know, it's a little bit uh, off-putting in some cases. But the, the big hook for me, man, the thing that we didn't talk about yet is what the difference between most crowdfunding and this is that everybody eventually gets the product. In a GoFundMe, if some guy decides to develop a new board game out of his out of his basement and decides to do the elbow grease and the groundwork to put something out there, this is my new card game. It's going to be amazing. Please back me. You get all this stuff. 
it's an effort to bring it to market. That's right. And they don't ever do that last part. They don't ever bring it to market. And that's, I think ultimately that's the thing that breaks it for me. Other than the stupidity of like the Rancor, like how could you fail with that? But never bringing it to the market, even way later on, after you've pulled in you know, $3.7 million on a Sky Striker, you ought to be able to put the basic gimpy version. Maybe it's not the sexier paint, but you ought to be able to put that in the store. And they, they know this game. The Devastator up there from Comic-Con, cool box, big pain to display because you got to have a big spot because the box is too cool to not keep on it. That is something that also was available. I've got a Metroplex standing over here on the floor in regular retail packaging because I just wanted the figure. I'm a figure. Obviously, I'm a take it out of the box guy. Um, I don't care about the exclusive box necessarily. I want the cool figure, but there can be differences. The Comic-Con exclusives will have better paint jobs or certain distressing or whatever. But that isn't the main hook. And I think people deserve, like, if this if this guy doesn't make it, if this uh, uh, Ghost Rider doesn't make it, they should probably release that car and maybe not all the accessories and then stand back and let the open market do it because you can buy articulated hands for all the transformers behind me and, and other special stuff. Let the aftermarket people do the, the flame tires or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's space and, you know, as a, as a, as a Apple nerd and former marketing director for an Apple chain, there's an ecosystem there that you can fire up that they're just missing out on. They're, they're not creating Like Apple makes a product. They know there's going to be a certain amount of accessory manufacturers out there who are going to continue to feed their families because they can make a new round of cases. And there's something about that when you do that kind of thing. And Hasbro's basically trying to say, here's everything all at once. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Tough. <laughs> and, you know, and- I know. It's a diehard Ghost Rider fan is not doing this Ghost Rider because of the price point. Yeah, yeah. I, and look, when I saw that Ghost Rider, I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. ooh, that I might like. And I'm not a diehard Ghost Rider fan. I'm a casual Ghost Rider fan. Right. Um, but I, I like the character aesthetics enough that I might consider getting that just so I have something super cool like that on my shelf. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we have some comments here. So I want to, I want to, acknowledge some folks who are watching michael mckenzie mitchell hey michael how you doing he's uh you know referring to the ghostbusters afterlife proton pack on Haslab, and that did get funded um it, did. it was 400 bucks it got nineteen thousand out of seven thousand backers that's that's another thing about this is like sometimes they hit it out of the park right into the other like into the other conferences stadium on the other coast. Like they, they just slam that ball so far that they just kill it. And then they still don't bring it to the regular market. And then they manage to fail with things like ghost rider. Ghost rider should never have a 9,000 backer right now. That's a deep cut at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Eli cash chimes in. He says, my stance The only good thing about big companies doing crowdfunding is that when smaller companies and creators catch wind, the bigger entities are making waves. They can ride on the uh, coattails, catching those waves like a surfer, so to speak. Okay. They, they can see, they can set trends. They can, you know, whatnot, but I, I don't know that small creators can really 
compete in the same way that a HasLab can. Well, and in some cases, you're going to run into IP issues. So right. those ideas may be out there, but people may not be willing to try them. And uh, I don't know if you want to pop that screen back up so we can see this thing. But And Michael can tell me if I'm just being a curmudgeon or an ignorant, non-obsessed fan. Michael's a big Ghostbusters fan. I'm a casual, very excited Ghostbusters fan, but not to the extent that some of these guys are. They're really serious about it. And the first thing I would say is a compliment to the Ghost, Ghostbusters clubs and, and fandom and, and cosplayers. I've seen packs that were this cool that guys made from scratch. Yeah, they've, they've been building them by uh, from scratch for years right, right so for now for somebody like me hey cool all right i can go get that that's neat but then they had all these other um add-ons and some of it to me when i looked at it along the way out of curiosity it was kind of like that's dumb and this first one the slime it just I, when i saw that i was like come on hasbro really like at least make it something that doesn't look like plastic hooks. <laughs> they look like things that you'd like hang on your, on your uh, dish rack to dry sponges or something. Like it, it just, it was too obviously like, here's this add on that hooks on as plastic. Some of this other stuff got pretty cool. You know, the little roasted guys, I could even maybe get behind the marshmallow stuff, but it's still kind of, you know, hooked on deal. Um, so, you know, some of it makes perfect sense. And then some of it is, is like, that's what you came up with, you know, and, and the the one that brought me to the dance, I didn't get it because I couldn't justify it because I was in a much different job situation. But this is the one that will always want me. <laughs> and Johnny knows this because I'm a big Transformers fan and most of the people that know me know uh, Unicron is like the pinnacle of Transformers for me. I have the previous one that was released. Uh, in the uh, War, War for Cybertron series, I think. Anyway, the back of a ways. And it was awesome because I was a, as a kid, I always thought, well, that's the ultimate. That's the one that they should always make. And I always felt ripped off as a Transformers fan. Like, they made the USS flag for G.I. Joe people, and they never made a Unicron for us. And there was a prototype that ran around for a while, but I didn't know about that. I wasn't deep cultured nerd enough. But the thing, this thing is huge. It's, I don't, I forgot how tall it stands. It's down in here somewhere, but it's huge. And it went for over 500 bucks. It got 10,000 out of 8,000. It was a great example of kind of hitting right on the mark. Um, I don't know if they did stretch goals or not. I don't know if they had discovered that aspect yet. Um, They did a lot of sharing of the development process, which I thought was kind of cool because that brought you into that situation a little bit. Like you got to see the behind the scenes and the work going into the, the product. Yeah, they didn't have stretch goals. So now this thing is like a thousand, two thousand, depending on the market and at any given time. Um, well, and- something that I'm going to jump on, and, and I wouldn't say that they should have released this in the uh, in the major. No, that that market. is not something that would have su- survived in in regular retail. That is right. something that needs to be kind of a collector holy grail type of item, I, yeah. and I get that. Um, but some of these, like the Hell Charger, like the uh, Sky Streaker, um, yeah, yeah, the, the and even uh, what is that uh, Transformer in the middle? Sky Victory Saber. 
this was uh, a little bit more of the anime side of the Transformers universe. It was pretty reasonable. Like I almost thought about it because at 179, see, it's this less looks than like the things in this room. But yeah, <laughs> this looks like this would survive it at general market retail because yeah, you do have. It would have to be a worldwide release. I don't think yeah. American fans would really jump on this as much as they, you know, as much as they could because nobody really understands what it is on a general fandom scale. You got to be a deeper cut. Gotcha. It's cool. I mean, I'm not taking anything, you know, taking anything away from it, but I mean, I am shocked. He got like almost three times the target. Um, clearly this is something that just missed me and in, in my biggest fandom zone for transformers. Um, See, when I, when I brought up this page initially, I thought that was Voltron. Oh yeah. And, I about lost my mind. If it was vehicle Voltron at $179, I might be having a different conversation with you about this program because I'd have bought it. <laughs> yeah. Look, but, and uh, I'm I'm not opposed to, you know, collector exclusives. I, I really sure. am not. But what I'm kind of opposed to is the trickle down effect that these crowdfunding um like like this thing, yeah. this thing doesn't need to be a, a Haslab. This could be released at retail. Well, it's cool and it's super rad, and they've done a bunch of stretches. Like they've added all kinds of stuff to this, and it's very exciting. Uh, during the uh, PulseCon this last time, they announced some of these. Uh, let's see if we can get down to them. So they did like there's a Cobra Commander that's been unlocked. And there's all these, they're, they're doing a crowd. I think they're doing like a voting thing on which color the next trooper is going to be. Uh, what else was in here? There was a female character. Yeah, this this gunner girl. Or not gunner. Maybe she's, yeah, she's a gunner. Is she the gunner? I'm showing my, uh, yeah, gunner action figures. Showing my uh, bad memory of Joe details. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing for me. This thing was cool. I don't know if I, you know, I'm a casual Joe fan. Uh, with yeah, I'm bigger. with you. Much bigger fan as a child. $300 worth of cool. I don't no. know because I'm sitting here waiting on my pre-order. Uh, well, their search is bizarre. Let's try that again. I've done the pre-order that matters to me. And it's Megatron as a his tank with the freaking Baroness. Sign me up. I'm done. I've already ordered this. I'm already waiting on it to ship. I don't need the other hiss. I have the only hiss that I could ever possibly want. It's freaking Megatron. It's Megatron with the bareness on his back. See, that's pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> and and I've gotten into that, the... Uh, take my money. <laughs> well, yeah. And look, I'm super happy that, that Hasbro uh, chose to release to retail the um, Power Ranger Street Fighter mashup figures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are so cool. I can't wait to see those. Um, Michael says the pack should have went to retail. Absolutely. Some form of it could have easily been retailed and been very successful. Now, I think they did have like a phoned-in kids version, but it wouldn't fit a, a larger individual. Um, I'm trying to flip through here and see what else might be interesting from PulseCon as a, talk, a talking point. I thought it was great that PulseCon was a thing. I think it's really cool that, you know... DC and Hasbro figured out how to have fan events in the pandemic era virtually that were actually decently exciting and didn't suck and weren't lame. 
I just worry that it was, you know, maybe going to affect fandom in a negative way that, you know, in-person conventions might not be able to get the support that they've enjoyed over the years of exclusives and sneak peeks and the presence of talent. But, you know, stuff like this, like it's, it's really cool. This Serpentor thing is great, but I would love to have that on my shelf. I watched this happen. I watched when it went on sale to the general public, it was like one hour exclusive to the VIP members it's a $50 program. So it's not, I mean, you probably save that much in shipping if you buy enough stuff, but this did not happen. Like at, at, at on the hour on the clock, I reloaded the page and it was sold out. And if I click this email me when available, it's going to be useless because I'm not a member of the premium program. So by the time I get that email, they'll also have jumped on it again. See, and that's, that's that figure that set would kill at retail. That would absolutely that would go bonkers at Target or Walmart. And what's and, wild, they could probably slap a $99 price tag on it and still sell it in retail. Probably. Now, it's here's the other dumber the, stuff that's expensive running around in retail. <laughs> well, that's right. Now, now that there's a flip side of that coin though, and I'm gonna take that down for just a minute. Yeah, sure. So Todd McFarland, McFarland Toys. You remember when McFarlane Toys came out, they were targeting the collector market and they were the high-end, high-grade, you know, toys that that I was like, yeah, those are cool, but not cool enough for me to have. But now they've become high quality, but low cost. Mm -hmm. I just bought the Superpowers reissue. The Superpowers from McFarlane Toys, they're 10 bucks. Oh, wow. 10 bucks. And 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 for that matter, the uh, Marvel Legends retro figures, you know Kenner style, these are just ten bucks. So it can be done. You know, they there are products out there that are, and and look, McFarlane is knocking it out of the park with the sculpts and the components and everything, and it, he's keeping prices down. Yeah, yeah. So it can be done right now, and that's pretty cool. Very retro. Yeah, yeah. Um, think, hey, we I got some part of that is, here. is you know we we've gotten really used to having all these really detailed, just awesome figures in the market, and that is excellent. But there's only so much that that you can choose to have space for in a lot of cases. So so it is a competitive space, and I don't know. I mean. Maybe it's maybe that's why because they're sticking to the loyalty of the old school design. They're able to do something like that a little cheaper. Um, I'm you know I'm glad I'm not a Star Wars Black Series collector because, dude, uh, I would need another house if I was collecting all that stuff. I have one thing, and it's George Lucas and Stormtrooper armor because it was such a specific, unique thing. Like that was a way to get a Star Wars Black Series item that. I, you know, don't mind not having them all because it's very specific. It's it's George Lucas, it's Stormtrooper, it's very standalone. I might yeah. order a selfie f- series Stormtrooper of myself if they don't ever have the sense to do something more exciting like the G.I. Joe option. I think it's cool that they're doing the selfie series. Great idea. Um, I just need more options because I don't want to be in a Snake Eyes costume. It makes no sense. Yeah, well, and, but, and that's, you know... To the point of the Black Series, I I am a Black Series collector. I'm an out-of-the-box collector. I don't get everything. I collect specific characters, and 
I go for specific looks. Um, I did get turned on to pretty much everything from the Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett. I've got a whole shelf dedicated to that, but um, yeah, I mean, black series, Marvel legends, GI Joe classified um, and uh, the power Rangers. They're 34 bucks. And, and look, I, I guess a lot of people will say, well, Hasbro is just bringing the price points in line with what the Super 7s and the NECAs are doing in the collector-exclusive market. And there, I, I'm not bemoaning the collector-exclusive market. There's, a, there's definitely a place for them. I've got several of the NECA Flash Gordon figures that were made and priced and marketed specifically to collectors. There, there's, a, there's definitely a place for that. But when you've got you know, a mega corporation like Hasbro that are making exclusives for that market, I, just, I feel a little bit off-put by that. And we have a couple of comments I just want to acknowledge real quick. Carlin Stewart is watching from Memphis. He says, hi, guys. And Jamie Slocum is watching. Jamie Slocum actually wrote our theme song, Can't Beat an Original. So um, superstar musician Jamie Slocum. Good to see you, Jamie. That's awesome. Um, you know, the other, th- the other thing I w- I've been trying to think about is, like, who else is doing this? And why isn't anyone else getting on Hasbro's train here? Um, and I don't know who else is. I, I, I've been looking around. I haven't really found anybody, like, big time that's doing it but i did uh snoop around mattel to see what they were doing because hasbro pulse is Mm -hmm. doing thing with its properties mattel creations is the mattel flip side of the coin there um and if you pull that browser window back up i want to point out the big glaring difference for me between these guys i ordered this product and i received it a couple weeks ago and it's extremely good and I'm a cynic in a lot of cases about value, you know, production value of any kind, whether it's digital or physical. And when this came out, I got the email. I, I'm on their list. And it said, you know, bad robot plush. I raised an eyebrow plush. What do you mean plush? That sounds weird. It's a robot. How can it be plush? And then my first thought was, well, it's going to be $500. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I clicked on it and I saw this $40. Like what? And then I looked at the details and it's actually plush in the sense that it's stuffed with batting, but it's really firmly filled. It's not like a squishy. And then it's a vinyl coated material. It looks metal. And it is, I'm not kidding you, like 20 inches tall standing on the floor. And it's standing in our living room next to our entertainment center. It looks like a little bad robot has scampered into the room and is hanging out and it's way cool for 40 bucks yeah and so my question to to hasbro is like if mattel can do that (laughs) and it's not you know it wasn't crowdfunded it was just first come first serve sold out now i jumped right on it great good for me it's too cool for well here here's here's the other here's the other side of this too I think Hasbro has completely mismanaged several of their IPs. Um, The Star Wars IP, timing, releases, not knowing what Lucasfilm was doing. Mm. Um, Why did we not have 
any Obi-Wan Kenobi toys out when the show was on. Mm. I, I mean, come on. Um, well, and, 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 and sometimes there's miscommunication. Apparently, the new Transformers movie is uh, is on its way, but delayed. And they had already shipped toys to land at the right time for the movie when the studio decided to delay it. And the the word I hear is no one told Hasbro. And apparently the only reason anybody's seen a few of the toys is because somewhere in the supply chain out to the store and then recalled back to the factory and warehouses, they were stolen and opened and put on the internet bootleg photos that weren't supposed to be taken of these products. So That's they're awesome. giving away some, some robot designs in the movie by seeing these products out on the internet early. Well, and to Mattel's credit, um, the the shining example of this is I don't know how Mattel got this license for Lightyear when you know Disney actually owns mm-hmm. they're they're a partial owner of Hasbro, um, which is another frustrating thing. Okay, so you got these Disney IPs and a toy manufacturer that is partially owned by them, and they're still not communicating. But Mattel did the license for Lightyear. And those figures dropped to retail the Tuesday before the movie came out. Yeah, smart. It was perfectly timed. Now, I don't know how well they sold. I didn't, I didn't buy any of them. But when that movie was in theaters, I saw Lightyear toys everywhere. Yeah. And yet, I couldn't get an Obi-Wan Kenobi anything to save my life. It was well, Lightyear's all over the map, too. There's, there's, there's Lego. They, they, they did a fully engaged license spread apparently you've got the lego things you've got the the little hot wheel sized ones which are mattel um all the figures and stuff i mean i haven't been inspired to buy any of them because one thing the movie didn't necessarily do was deliver me a hero ship that i just had to have there are a lot of different ships um minor spoiler alert a lot of different ships that buzz is involved with and I didn't, you know, it wasn't a, a deep enough story at any given time at any given ship to give a clear favorite to me. So they're all cool. That's neat. But I don't have space for a full sh- uh, light year ship collection. Um, so I don't pick a favorite. I just admire it from afar. That's great. That's that's cool. Good for them. But they did a great job having everything. There's yes. everything. The, if you are in love with that movie, which they clearly were counting on people being more into it than they were. But and that's like, a whole nother issue yeah, with right. Disney's marketing. And we can, <laughs> I, I, we already did an episode about that, but yeah. um, uh, Jamie asks, do I buy anything off of eBay anymore? No, I've not gotten anything on eBay in maybe five or six years, maybe. And Dave Mattingly is mocking me by saying, I picked up a Mandalorian action figure at Kroger today <laughs> on clearance. Ah, but what Mandalorian I've got them all which may actually anger me more. I've even got the, um, the concept art figure that, that they did. Nice. Which I love, but anyway, well, Hey Lucas, we're coming up on the top of the hour here. Um, I had no idea that we could talk about this one subject for a full hour. And I, I want everyone watching, especially fans who are like, Hey Johnny, I thought back of the cereal box was supposed to be about, saving what you love and positivity and not being, and look, we're not being negative. I don't hate Hasbro. I don't hate anything that's going on. I'm not angry with them. I just, I just don't think it's quite the right thing for 
corporations to use crowdfunding. That's just my personal opinion. I love their product. I want everything I see. Mm-hmm. I am one of those guys. I'm like, please, I want this. I just want to have the the opportunity to get it. And I and feel, I would feel so much differently if there were versions of these that made it to retail, because then you could pardon the crowdfunding as a guarantee on the R and D and the salaries involved for the creators that are making the stuff. And I could get behind that a little bit more, but when you just never get a shot at it, that's a little tricky. Yeah. And Dave Mattingly adds Disney marketing, like their bang up job <laughs> on John Carter. Oh my, don't even get me started. <laughs> so uh, anyway, final thoughts, Lucas. Uh, you know, I think that we should still be active consumers in this in this realm. I think it's great to be alive in the time when these companies have clearly figured out that uh, people whose ages start with at least a three, if not a four, five, or six, are willing to go and shovel their money into the uh, gaping, endless maw of collector uh, products. Because clearly, from what you see behind me, Hasbro's had more than a small chunk of me over the years, and they can continue to have it. I, uh, I would just love to be able to compete a little bit more for more and see a little bit less of their popularity being squandered because they got so much money. They could do some of these on their own. Absolutely. And Jamie Slocum asks a cool question, and I love these kind of questions from our audience because it makes me look really smart. He asks, is Kenner still around? And the answer is yes and no. Kenner was bought by Hasbro, but Hasbro still uses the Kenner brand on certain product lines, like the Marvel Legends Retro, the uh, Star Wars Vintage uh, and Retro lines. So as a brand, yes. As a company, no. And Dave Mattingly adds one last comment. I mean, come on. Why not a Disney Princess of Mars? Hey, actually, that was the original. That That's one of the books in the series, A Princess of Mars. About, anyway, go read the original series. Dave knows what I'm talking about. Those of you who are like, who? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, well, guys and gals, that is it for tonight. We're going to say good night. But thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. And um, continue to do so. Share this comment. We'll address the comments. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like what we're doing, if you like our programming, consider becoming a, a partner with us. Speaking of crowdfunding, um, I'm not a multimedia or multi-million dollar corporation. So your crowdfunding means a whole lot to me oh, yeah. <laughs> at buymeacoffee.com slash cereal box pod. That banner has been running along the bottom the entire time. You can contribute you know, one bowl of cereal, two, three, buy us the whole box. And if you hate the show and you hate what we're doing, rivet, um, <laughs> donate even more generously and uh, help us improve it just for you. But um, Lucas, tell everyone where they can follow, find, and support you. Sure. Uh, well, professionally, lucasleverett.com, which does cover uh, you know, my freelance as well as my geek exploits. And uh, I'm around on various social networks. Uh, a lot of folks know how to find me. Uh, it's subdivided depending on whether it's the uh, nerdosphere, the pro sphere, or the uh, inside peak. And then every week I do my own show uh, called Brewing Controversy, 
You can look it up at brewingcontroversy.com. I get together with a buddy of mine, review and drink craft beer while talking about sociopolitical topics that don't always meet with the approval of this guy right here, but we do like it when he shows up for the discussion. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. No matter what side of the political fence you are on, brewing controversy will tick you off. <laughs> this is true. I think, it, yeah, I've, I've definitely uh, hacked off quite a few of my liberal friends in the process as well, because I tend to call things like I see it, and sometimes it's not the party line. <laughs> you're 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 kind of the Bill Maher of geekdom. A little. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, and I'm more like Tulsi Gabbard. Oh boy. But I don't think you're a traitor. <laughs> I'm as pretty as she is. I've got you, the same streaks you, in my hair. You certainly are, Shine. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> that is it for us, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, until the next time, love you, mean it, and we'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.